Hi. Welcome to Nocturna, a horror podcast. Today, you're invited to the edge of reality to witness the horrible things that lie beyond its horizon. We'll explore a captivating tapestry of dread and cosmic terror, where the intensity of our descriptions may elicit a range of emotions, from spine-tingling thrill to disquieting unease. As we delve into the depths of these stories, we invite listeners to embrace the full spectrum of sensation that may be evoked, understanding that the chilling nature of our content may both exhilarate and unsettle, depending on individual preferences. As you embark on this immersive journey with Nocturna, prepare to surrender to the captivating tales that both stir the depths of your imagination and awaken the dormant fears within you. Episode 5 Under the Willow The story you're about to hear is a work of fiction. Probably. I'm no stranger to places where man hasn't chosen to lay his head. I find even the smallest cities to be too loud and the largest to be too small for my liking. How could a New York or Hong Kong or London even begin to compare to the unimaginable vastness of the world left undiscovered and untainted? I take my photos to be published for the urban masses who squirm like huddled rats in a concrete cage. Their obsession yet rejection of the natural world is nothing more than a symptom of a greater disease. Their precious American dream sold to them one piece at a time, never to be given in full. I have long since given up on preaching this to them, as it is often met with platitudes of self-actualization that so thinly veil the deepest sins of greed culture. And when they say these things, they don't speak to me, they speak to themselves and beg me to listen. I feel sorry for them, but they haven't seen what I've seen. No woodland sprites or nature gods have ever captured their minds. Tragic. I have a deep love for all land unclaimed, but few places have captured the interest of my mind and my lens like the New England forests of home. After graduating college many years ago now, I would often walk a beloved part of Massachusetts not far from where I grew up. Phillips Pond was a staple of my childhood only a few minutes from my parents' home. I spent many an adolescent night sneaking cigarettes and liquor down to its mossy edges. Friends and I would drink too much and yell too loudly until police lights bounced off the trees and sent us scattering into the woods laughing. With those days long behind me and adulthood ahead, it became a habit for me to take my camera through the familiar trodden path. On one of these voyages during that humid New England summer, I decided to take with me one of my grandfather's vintage cameras. It had an old leather case that smelled of smoke and dust. I think I was the first to use it in 40 years. As I slung it over my shoulder, the damp, earthy smells of rotting wood and moss permeated the air around me. Creeping juniper crawled among wintergreen, and oaks and witch hazel climbed high and grew wide to shroud the damp soil in shade and seclusion. A ghost of sunlight peeked through and ignited a wildflower and golden aurora. And that's when the shutter clicked and I prepared to take another memory with me. In a few minutes, I was approaching the water. I began to take a photo of a bundle of reeds, but in that instant, my eyes were drawn to a discovery. As I peered through the camera's lens, gazing across the mirror-like tranquility of the pond, an immense tree loomed just beyond the boundaries of my focus. The great willow leaned over the water, reminiscent of a vigilant predator guarding a fresh kill. Its 
wilting branches swayed in the wind and sent a chorus of ripples across the pond as its leaves grazed the surface. Had I not paused to think how long a tree of its colossal size would take to grow, I might have denied ever laying eyes on it before. I eventually settled on the shaky explanation that I had been so engrossed by the flowers and the verdant undergrowth that I had somehow overlooked this majestic sentinel for years. It didn't take me more than a moment to decide I wanted to photograph it. I snapped a few shots as a brief gust of wind carried the bending branches like ribbons unfurling on the breeze. I stood opposite the tree after a few photos and lit a cigarette. The swirling smoke left my mouth in the same direction that the odd loose leaf would flow from the willow across the pond. My subject and I stood locked in silence until I had nothing left to inhale but ash. I took a few more photographs, this time focusing on a cluster of water lilies adorning the pond's surface. When convinced I had captured all there was to see, I carefully stowed my camera and, with a final glance at the enigmatic willow, began my journey home. It was as I met the tree line that I became impressed with the sensation of being watched. Upon turning around, I saw no one that could have been doing so, but from this vantage point, I was suddenly aware of the distance that each tree of the surrounding woods stood from the water's edge. Not one of them, save the willow, was within three or four yards of the perimeter of the pond. As I noticed this, I turned my attention for the first time to the gargantuan trunk of the tree that had so captivated me. From its black form protruded a nest of large gnarled roots, some of which snaked around the tree's circumference before disappearing from the shore and terminating somewhere below the water's surface. When I returned home, I set to work in the makeshift darkroom I had built in the basement. As I began the exposure process, I was immediately aware that the strong chemical and sulfuric odors seemed to be less intense than usual. The anticipated caustic scents that should have overwhelmed my senses sat reduced, almost like background noise, to subtle fragrances of damp earthiness and aromatic herbs and spices. As the photos developed, I sat in the dimly lit room, my gaze transfixed on the slowly emerging images. The leaves of the willow seemed to sway ever so gently, even in this frozen state. There was something wrong with the photos, though. There, in those captured moments, the tree's trunk was impossibly black. I experimented with various exposures, attempting in vain to coax out even a hint of detail. Where the trunk was, my camera had not captured any light at all, leaving a void-like blackness where there should have been the shadows and highlights of bark and knots. I wasn't sure by what property or circumstance this might have been possible, but after some time, I left the photos to be re-examined with fresh eyes later. The following morning, I poured over the photos as I sipped my coffee. Still unsure as to why they developed the way they did, I decided that I would make another trip to the pond and take a few more shots. By something that I was so sure was just a trick of the light, the willow looked larger and fuller than the day before. The branches were longer and more covered in foliage, reaching upwards to blot out the sun. Raising the camera to my eye, an indescribable sensation coursed through me. It felt as though the very essence of the willow were gazing back at me through the lens. I hesitated for a moment, unsure of what to do, before I got the inexplicable sense that I had been given a silent permission to capture its form. Standing across from the willow felt like being alone in a room with a wild animal. I moved with a creeping slowness around the pond, stopping when I was halfway to the tree. I took a few more pictures before once again leaving. 
this time choosing not to turn my back. I smelled rotten plums and cinnamon as I descended the steps into the basement. The photos that emerged from the chemicals showed not a black void where the trunk had been, but details and markings around the trunk that I didn't remember seeing. Curved lines and patterns snaked up the trunk like alien vines glowing with a soft light behind the leaves. I took a deep breath and felt my lungs fill with the freshness of forest air, despite the fact that I stood over the fumes of a chemical bath. In the following days, my mind would often wander back to what slept at the end of the wooded trail to Phillip's Pond. Indistinct whispers like leaves in the wind would call out to me, but disappear when I tried to listen, like something lurking just at the edge of my vision. I found myself returning to the pond day after day, taking photos of the willow from the opposite shoreline. Days bled into weeks, and the willow grew darker and wider and taller. By August, a heat wave had struck. Down by the water one afternoon, I waved pestering insects away as my body moved slowly and heavily under the humidity. I was no stranger to Massachusetts summers, but the brutality of the sun that day was overwhelming. I nearly left until, at a moment, a light breeze blew across the water and brought with it cool air and the smell of fresh berries. I thought to myself, how nice it must be to sit under the shade of such a proud tree on a day like this. To be so close to the water and shielded from the oppressive sun. Without a second thought, I began to walk around the pond. As I stepped toward the willow, the soft swishes of dogwood and juniper gave way to the gritty crunch of dirt. Around the tree, it appeared all plants had retreated and the soil sat blackened and dry. I could now feel the coolness of its shade and taste the sweetness of berries float towards me. I felt every muscle in my body relax as I brushed the low-hanging branches aside and stepped through the curtain of leaves. The humidity was lesser there, as if with each soft lap of water the heat was gently pushed aside. Looking up through the branches I saw no sign of bird or squirrel, and the sun, dry as it might, could only narrowly pierce the thick covering. The roots of the tree were large and bulbous, some the size and shape of grown men. One of these roots was wide and flat, the bark on it smooth like glass. I sat down on it and breathed in the sweet scents of the tree. I leaned back onto the trunk and felt the coolness of the smooth surface crawl across my skin like I was being pulled through cold silk. Staring up at the tree from this angle was like staring into the face of an old friend. I reached behind me and slowly ran my fingers along the trunk where I imagined the lines and patterns from my photos must have landed. With the smell of cinnamon and berries overtaking me, I faded off to sleep. I dreamt of sweetness and spice, of no event but of a sensation. I dreamt of a growing darkness, but one I knew would not hurt me. I dreamt of a gnarled glass throne and my place upon it. It wasn't until that night that I awoke. The glassy root on which I slept seemed to have shifted and molded to my body's shape. As I stirred, I heard the sound of feathers and a light splash as a loon landed in the pond, 
and my eyes were drawn to the roots of my host that disappeared into the water. The loon paddled towards the leaved, drooping arms of its demise, and I left the willow to do what I knew it did. In the darkness, I walked away and lit a cigarette, not looking back this time. I knew the willow would not harm me. The loon was not so lucky. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nocturna. If you enjoyed what you heard, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next episode. You can keep up with the show on social media at Nocturna Podcast. You can also head to nocturnapodcast.com. And if you want to support even more, take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That feedback is one of the best ways to help the show grow. And most importantly, tell a friend. Just make sure they can handle it. Thanks again. Oh, and stay safe. You never know what's out there. <laughs>